This is the an audiobook of the subtle art of not giving a fuck book by Mark Manson. It has almost seven chapters, so there is gonna be there's gonna be. Se- I'm sorry, it has nine chapters, and there are going to be nine episodes, as I'm going to cover one chapter in each episode. So let's begin with the chapter one. Don't try. Charles Bukowski was an alcoholic, a womanizer, a chronic gambler, a lout, a cheapskate, a deadbeat, and on his worst days, a poet. He's probably the last person on the earth you would ever look to for the advice or expect to see in any sort of self-help book. Which is why he's perfect place to start. Bukowski wanted to be a writer, but for decades his work was rejected by almost every magazine, newspaper, journal, agent, and publisher he submitted to. His work was horrible and they said crude, disgusting, depraved, and as the stacks of rejection slips piled up, the weight of his failures pushed him deep into an alcohol-fueled depression that would follow him for the most of his life. Bukowski had a day job as a letter filler at the post office he got paid shit money and spent most of it on booze he gambled away the rest of the racetrack at night he would drink alone sometimes hammer out poetry on his beat up old typewriter often he'd wake up on the floor having passed out nights before 30 years went by like this most of it a meaningless blur of alcohol drugs gambling and prostitutes then, when Bukowski was 50, after a lifetime of failure and self-loathing, an editor at a small independent publishing house took a strange interest in him. The editor couldn't offer Bukowski much money or much promise of sales, but he had a weird affection for the drunk loser, so he decided to take a chance on him. He was the first real shot Bukowski had ever gotten and he realized probably the only one he would ever got. Bukowski wrote back to the editor, I have one of the two choices, stay in the post office and go crazy or stay out of here and play at the writer and starve. I've decided to starve. Upon signing the contract, Bukowski wrote his first novel in three weeks. It was called simply Post Office in the dedication he wrote dedicated to nobody. Bukowski would make it as a novelist and poet. He would go on to publish six novels and hundreds of poems, selling over two million copies of his books. His popularity defined everyone's expectations, particularly his own. Stories like Bukowski's are the bread and butter of our cultural narrative. Bukowski's life embodies the American dream. A man fights for what he wants and never gives up and eventually achieves his wildest dreams. It's particularly a movie waiting to happen. We all look at the stories like Bukowski's and say, See, he never gave up. He never stopped trying. He always believed in himself. He persisted against all the odds and made something of himself. It is then strange that on Bukowski's tombstone, the epitaph reads, Don't try. See, despite the book sales and the fame, Bukowski was a loser. He knew it, and his success steamed not for some determination to be a winner, but from the fact that he knew he was a loser 
accepted it and then wrote honestly about it. He never tried to be anything other than what he was. The genius in Bukowski's work was not in overcoming unbelievable odds or developing himself into shining light, literary light. It was the opposite. It was a simple ability to be completely unflinchingly honest with himself, especially the worst parts of himself, and to share his failings without hesitation or doubt. This is a real story of Bukowski's success, his comfort with himself as a failure. Bukowski didn't give a fuck about success. Even after his fame, he still showed up to poetry readings, hammered and verbally abused people in his audience. He still exposed himself in public and tried to sleep with every woman he could find. Fame and success didn't make him a better person, nor was it by becoming a better person that he became famous and successful. Self-improvement and success often come together, but that doesn't necessarily mean they are the same thing. Our culture today is obsessively focused on altruistic positive expectations. Be happier, be healthier, be the best, better than the rest, be smarter, faster, be richer, be sexier more popular, more productive, more admired, and more admired. Be perfect and amazing and crap out 12 carat gold nuggets before breakfast each morning while kissing your selfie ready spouse and two and a half kids goodbye. Then fly your helicopter to a wonderfully fulfilling job where you spend your days doing incredible meaningful work that's likely to save the planet one day. But when you stop and really think about it, conventionally life advice, all the positive and happy self-help stuff we hear all the time is actually fixating on what you lack. It lasers in what you perceive your personal shortcomings and failures to already be and then emphasizes them for you. You learn about the best days to make money because you feel you don't have enough money already. You stand in front of the mirror and repeat affirmations saying that you're beautiful because you feel as though you're not beautiful already. You follow dating and relationship advice because you feel that you're unlovable already. You try goofy visualization exercises about being more successful because you feel as though you aren't successful enough already. Ironically, this fixation on the positive on what's bester on what's better, I'm sorry, what's superior only serves to remind us over and over again of what we are not, of what we lack and what we should have been but we failed to be. After all, no truly happy person feels the need to stand in the mirror of a and recite that she is happy, she just is. There's a saying in Texas, the smallest dog barks the loudest. A confident man doesn't need a need to prove that he's confident. A rich woman doesn't feel a need to convince anybody that she's rich. Either you are or you're not. And if you're dreaming of something all the time, then you're reinforcing the same unconscious reality over and over that you're not that. Everyone and their TV commercial wants you to believe that the key to good life is a nicer job or a more rushed car. 
or a prettier girlfriend or a hot tub with an inflatable pool for the kids. The world is constantly telling you that the path to a better life is more and more and more. Buy more, own more, make more, fuck more, be more. You're constantly bombarded with the messages to give a fuck about everything all the time. Give a fuck about a new TV. Give a fuck about having a better vacation than your co-workers. Give a fuck about buying a new lawn ornament give a fuck about having the right kind of selfie stick why my guess because giving a fuck about more stuff is good for business and while there's nothing wrong with good business and problem is that giving too many fucks is too bad for your mental health it causes you to become overly attached to the superficial and fake to dedicate your life to chasing a marriage of happiness and satisfaction the key to good life is not giving a fuck about more it's giving a fuck about less giving a fuck about only what is true and immediate and important the feedback loop from hell there's an insidious quirk to your brain that if you let it it can drive you absolutely batty tell me if it sounds familiar to you You get anxious about confronting somebody in your life that anxiety cripples you and you start wondering why you are so anxious. Now you're becoming anxious about being anxious. Oh no, doubly anxious. Now you're anxious about your anxiety. What is causing more anxiety? Quick, where's the whiskey? Or let's say you have an anger problem. You get pissed off at the stupidest, most and ain't stuff and you have no idea why the fact that you get pissed off so easily starts to piss you off even more. And then in your petty rage you realize that being angry all the time makes you a shallow and mean person and you hate this. You hate it so much that you get angry at yourself. Now look at you, you're angry at yourself, getting angry about being angry. Fuck you, wall hair, have a fist. Now you're so worried about doing the right thing all the time that you became worried about how much you're worrying or you feel so guilty for every mistake you make that you begin to feel guilty about how guilty you're feeling. Or you get sad and alone so often that it makes you feel even more sad and alone just thinking about it. Welcome to the feedback loop from hell. Chances are you have engaged in it more than a few times maybe you are engaging in it right now god i do the feedback loop all the time i'm such a loser for doing it i should stop oh my god i feel like such a loser for calling myself a loser i should stop calling myself a loser ah fuck i'm doing it again see i'm a loser calm down amigo believe it or not this is the part of the beauty of the human brain or being a human Very few animals on the earth have the ability to think cognitive thoughts to begin with, but we humans have the luxury of being able to have thoughts about our thoughts. So can about watching Millie Cyrus video on YouTube, then immediately think about what a sicko I am for watching a Millie Cyrus video on YouTube. Ah, the miracle of consciousness. Now here's the problem. Our society today, through the wonders of consumer culture and hey look my life is cooler than yours, social media has bred a whole generation of people who believe that having these negative experiences, anxiety, fear, guilt, etc. 
is totally not okay i mean if you look at your facebook feed everybody there is having a fucking grand old time look eight people got married this week and some 16 year old on tv got a ferrari on her birthday and another kid just made two billion dollars inventing an app that automatically delivers you more toilet paper when you run out meanwhile you're stuck at home flossing your cat and you can't help but think your life sucks even more than you thought the feedback loop from hell has become a borderline epidemic, making many of us overly stressed, overly neurotic, and overly self-loathing. Back in Grandpa's day, Grandpa's day, he would feel like shit and think to himself, "Jeez, whiz, I sure do feel like a counter today." But hey, I guess that's just life. Back to shoveling, hey. But now, if you feel like shit for even five minutes, you are bombarded with three hundred and fifty images of people totally happy and having amazing fucking lives and it's impossible to not feel like there's something wrong with you it's this last part that gets us into the trouble we feel bad about feeling bad we feel guilty for feeling guilty we get angry about getting angry we get anxious about feeling anxious what is wrong with me this is why not giving a fuck is the key that's why it's going to save the world and it's going to save it by accepting the world is totally fucked and that's all right because it's always been that way and will always be by not giving a fuck you feel bad you short circuit the feedback loop from hell and you say to yourself i feel like shit but who gives a fuck and then as if sprinkled by a magic fuck giving fairy dust you stop hating yourself for feeling so bad george orwell said that to see what's in front of one's nose requires a constant struggle. Well, the solution to our stress and anxiety is right there in front of our noses and we are too busy watching porn and advertisements for app machines that don't work. Wondering why we are not banging a hot blonde with rocking six-pack to notice? We joke online about first-world problems, but we really have become victims of our own success. Stress-related health issues, anxiety disorders, and the case of depression have skyrocketed over the past 30 years. Despite the fact that everyone has flat-screen TV and can give their groceries delivered, our crisis is no longer material. Is it's existential, it's spiritual. We have so much fucking stuff and so many opportunities that we don't even know what to give a fuck about anymore. Because there's an infinite amount of things we can now see or know. There are also infinite number of ways we can discover that we don't measure up, that we are not good enough, that things aren't as great as they could be and this rips us apart inside. Because... Here's the thing that's wrong with all of the how to be happy shit that's been shared 8 million times on Facebook in the past few years. Here's what nobody realizes about all of this crap. The desire for a more positive experience is itself a negative experience. And paradoxically, the acceptance of one's negative experience is itself a positive experience. This is total mind fuck so i'll give you a minute to unpretzel your brain and maybe read that again wanting positive experience is a negative experience accepting negative experience is a is a positive experience 
It's what the philosopher Alan Watts used to refer to us as the backwards law, the idea that more you pursue feeling better all the time, the less satisfied you become. As pursuing something only reinforces the fact that you lack it in the first place, the more you desperately want to become rich, the more poor and the unworthy you feel. Regardless of how much money you actually make, the more you desperately want to be sexy and desired, the uglier you come to see yourself. Regardless of your actual physical appearance, the more you desperately want to be happy and loved, the lonelier and the more afraid you become. Regardless of those who surround you, the more you want to be spiritually enlightened the more self-centered and shallow you become in trying to get there it's like this one thing i tripped on acid and it felt like the more i walked toward a house the farther away the house got from me and yes i just say use my lsd hallucinations to make philosophical point about happiness no fucks given as existential philosopher Albert Camus said, and I'm pretty sure he wasn't on LSD at that time, you will never be happy if you continue to search for what happiness consists of. You will never live as if you're looking for the meaning of life. Or put more simply, don't try. Now I know what you're saying, Mark. This is making my nipples all hard. But what about the Camaro I've been saving up for? What about the beach body I've been starving myself for? After all, I paid a lot of money for that app machine. What about the big house on the lake I have been dreaming of? If I stop giving a fuck about those things, well then, I'll never achieve anything. I don't want that to happen, do I? So glad you asked. Ever since that, sometimes when you care less about something, you do better at it. Notice how often... The person who is least invested in success of something that actually ends up achieving it. Notice how sometimes when you actually stop giving a fuck, everything seems to fall into place. What's with that? What's interesting about the backwards law is that it's called backwards for a reason. Not giving a fuck works in reverse.